Well, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad to uh, see some familiar faces, see some of uh, the students here that I know that are in our youth group, and uh, it's just a joy to be with you. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22, where we're going to spend our time this morning. And uh, look, I'm going to keep it simple, all right? It's going to be uh, short and sweet this morning. If you are here and you are thinking, I hope he goes long and that the test that I have coming in my next hour will not come, uh, this is not that morning. I am sorry. I have been in your shoes before and I know how you feel, all right? Well, as has already been mentioned, some of the questions I have for you, I'm going to start with some questions and you can think through these. How would you describe your life? Just fill in the blank. How would you describe your life? Those of you that uh, profess to be Christians, you could even answer the question of how would you describe your Christian life? You could say the Christian life is, fill in the blank. Go ahead and write that down. If you're taking notes, pick one word, pick a couple words. How would you describe the Christian's life is, the Christian's life and ministry is what? How would you describe that? Fill that out. For some of you, whether you profess to be a Christian or not, you might be looking at Christianity and saying the Christian life is complicated. It's hard. It's complex. It's involved. It's difficult. It's anything but simple. But is that really how God designed Christianity? Could it be that Christianity... And that word simplicity could actually be put in the same sentence. I want you to think about that. Could it be that God delights in simplicity? I believe He does. So I'm asking this question in part because I think some of you will be helped by this. Some of you may even feel overwhelmed as the, this is the end of the school year, right? You've got like, what, two, three weeks? How many weeks do you guys have left? Three. Some of you are counting. You must be seniors. You are seniors. Okay, good. All right, it's almost there. Hang on. All right, you're, you're getting there. Uh, others of you are not seniors, but you're still wanting this, this semester to end. Uh, may, maybe it's gone well. Maybe it hasn't. I'm not going to ask how, how you would describe this semester, but some of you might be looking and reflecting back on how this semester's gone or, or maybe how the football season went. I heard you guys had a pretty good football season. Things went well. Uh, I've heard that there's uh, many, many good things happening here. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just reflecting on that as you're at the end of the school year and we're coming to the end of the year. And you're thinking, how could I make some improvements? What could I do to change? Maybe you're uh, wanting to improve on this next semester. And you could do that in a few ways, right? Maybe time management. Maybe uh, as the semester has gone on, you know, laziness begins to kind of creep in a little bit. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Laziness comes in. What we want to do, we don't do. Senioritis kicks in. I understand that. So maybe one of your goals is to, to not give in to laziness, and you're going to even think through what, what that could look like. But right, maybe right now, it, it seems like there's a lot of work to do and not enough time to finish it. Others of you might say, well, I, I want to work on just being a better friend. I want to work on relationships. Maybe, maybe uh, you didn't uh, 
start off very well this school year building strong relationships. So you're looking forward to the new year for a fresh start. That's almost here. I think this morning, my goal is to help you think through life, particularly to think through the Christian's life. How is the Christian's life? How could it be described? How would you describe the Christian's life and ministry? That's my goal this morning. How would you describe the Christian's life? Is your ministry in life simple or complicated? It's easy, it's easy for discouragement to set in. Some of you might feel stuck. You're in a rut. You want to change. You feel like Christianity is anything but simple. And I think about Jesus Christ, who not only, we might say, had a hard life, but he even knew how the end of his life would be. And I, I can't imagine being Jesus, knowing that the cross was before me, knowing exactly how I was going to die. And it would be very easy for us to say that his life was very complicated. And yet, I would argue that he lived by very simple truths, very simple commands that he's given to us and that he himself did as well. And that's what we're going to look at. So Matthew chapter 22. And just to kind of set the context for this, the, the, the Pharisees are in this and they're wanting to, to test Jesus. And the Pharisees are, are, are not unlike the people today that just love controversy. They're lovers of, of conflict. You know, those people who spend their time just reading, you know, dystopian fictions where every story just ends bad and they seem to enjoy that. That's sort of the fate that they want for Jesus. His ministry is cutting into their ministry. His following is cutting into the people that were following these Pharisees. And so, the, the, the people want to argue with him. They're trying to trap him. Jesus is mindful of this all the time. And Matthew chapter 22 is really significant because at the end of Matthew chapter 22, it becomes very clear that the Pharisees will not try to do this anymore. They won't try to trap him again. This is the last time they would dare to ask him any more questions. Isn't that not what it says in verse 46 of chapter 22? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So it's not going to go well for them. I'll just give that away. But nonetheless, in this text, they're trying to really essentially trap Jesus, and their whole goal is actually to dis discredit his life and ministry. They want to discredit it. They are seeking to ask him some question. They're trying to trap him to discredit his ministry. So let's look at the text. What's, what's going to happen? Look at verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? They asked him this question. The great commandment in the law. This is the trap. It might not seem like a trap to us, but it is a trap. For the religious rabbis, scribes, Pharisees, this is actually a very difficult question. 
In fact, they don't even agree upon uh, the answer to this question in a sense. The rabbis believe that there were some 613 laws. I can't even imagine uh, memorizing 613 laws, but they had that. They had one law for every letter in the Ten Commandments, uh, 248 of them being affirmative, uh, 365 negative. Also, the laws were separated as to which ones are heavy, which ones are light. Of course, the heavy ones, the ones that they were to follow, the ones that they would say that they did. Of course, the light ones, the ones that they failed to do, no, not so important. It's a little subjective. So they, they categorized laws. They, they had many laws and all of this to, that the other people would see their outward sign, their, their own self-righteousness. That's what the religious Pharisees were. And this is a trap. And it's impossible for the religious Pharisees to agree at this point on which one is the greatest. So look at, look at his response, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. If you've seen an Orthodox Jew on their house. They even have maybe a little box, and inside that box, Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is something that they were to recite twice a day. I'm to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. They were not expecting this answer. They were expecting Jesus, who to them was uh, doing some crazy things, healing, claiming to be God, and, and they, they saw everything that Jesus did as something new, something new that's happening. And, and, and so in, in all this, they were not expecting him to quote Moses. The one person, yes, Moses, the one person that everyone, everyone loved, everyone agreed with. Everyone would say, yes, this is very important. They were not expecting this. They, they thought for sure Jesus was going to say something else. But see, Jesus lives by this as well. This is something that Jesus is marked by himself. This is one of three commands that I'm going to give you this morning that is to mark the Christian's life and ministry. One of three. It's very simple. The command here is to love God. To love God. Yes, it says with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And we could parse each word and look at the heart and look at the soul and look at the mind. But the reality is, what is he saying? He's saying, love me with all of you. Love me with all of your being, with all of your actions, with all of your thoughts. Give me everything. Love me. Just simply. We're to love him above all else. That's the great commandment. That actually summarizes the first half of the list of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> to love God. And we might say, well, how do we know that we love God? I, I want to love God, but how do I know that I love God? You have to turn there, but John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Everyone who loves God obeys him. That's a very simply how we know that we love God, that we obey God. Jesus Himself even demonstrated this as He obeyed the Father to the point of death on the cross. 
demonstrating his love for the Father. We also see, and it's not so much in, in this particular text, but I would say we cannot love God apart from this second command, which is to love his word. We're to love God, and we are to love his word. Love God, love his word. If you think about Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. How can you love God if you don't love the wisdom of God? It's not possible. It's not possible. You cannot truly love God with all of you and not love his word. One of the signs that you are even a Christian is that you love his word that this is something you desire because this is how God speaks to you even today. Does God still speak today? Yes, He does. He speaks to you in His Word. And you can either ignore that or you can embrace that. And that's a, that's a great sign. How do I know that I'm in Christ? Well, do you love His Word? Now, I want you just to very quickly turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and we're also going to look at Proverbs chapter 8. In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, though, it is a father begging, pleading. He's pleading with his son to listen, to hear. And to hear what? To hear wisdom. So look at this. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O son, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Speaking of wisdom, he says, she will keep you. Love her for she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you do, get insight. This is a command. He's not just saying, hey, this would be a really good idea. If you you maybe think about this, ponder this, maybe maybe think about the wisdom of God in seeking it. He is pleading. He is begging. Listen, hear, hear me out, son. If you're going to do anything, get wisdom. Get the wisdom of God. Why would he say that? Because it's, it's getting the wisdom of God that, that then the love of God becomes a part of you. As your mind is affected, your heart will be. Should, should, you, do your, should, should you do devotions even when you don't feel like it? Yes, if you want your heart If you want to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, you you inform your mind that your heart would follow. Now look at chapter 8. Look at chapter 8. There's so much here. I love the, the Proverbs. I could probably just come here and just read to you Proverbs, and I would have a lot of fun, but maybe not you. But look at verse 32. Just look how it ends. Look how it ends. 
And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. Watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Christian's life and ministry is to be marked by a love for God and a love for his word. Get wisdom. And there's a blessing to be had. Thirdly, this comes from the passage, love people. Love God, love his word, love people. Very simple message this morning. Those are my three points. That is what I believe the scriptures command us. And maybe when things seem complicated, these are just three simple commands that are to mark your life. Seek these things and then let the rest, the rest will follow. Look what he says in verse 36 all the way down to 39. And the second, a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment, to love God, to love his word, to love your neighbor. Now, if you're looking for love his word, remember what I said. You're not going to find it in this text. But it is not possible to love God and not love his word. That's my point. That's why I add, I add it here. But from this text, you can clearly see what are the great commandments. What's the second? That you love God, that you love people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You guys have this opportunity every single day. There will never be another time when you're in high school that you will have more of an opportunity to love your peers like this time. This is a very unique time. You won't get this time again. High school comes once, not twice. Well, we certainly hope not, right? You shouldn't do it a second time. You should do it once. I don't think they'll even let you do that here to go through it again. You get to do it once. I remember my, my soccer coach telling me that there was nothing quite like playing soccer in high school. Yes, you might play in college, but it will not be the same. He was right. He was right. There's nothing like the right now for you guys. There's nothing quite like the opportunity you have even for those of you who profess Christ to share your testimony with other people than right now the impact you can have on each other, the opportunity for you to extend a love for each other, your neighbor, the one right beside you right now, the one right next to you wherever you live. This is that, above all else, we want to keep it simple. John 13, 35, how do we love People says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's John 13, 35. How will people, all people, know that you are my disciples? Tell you what, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you follow Christ, that you are a Christ follower because of your love. Because the love of a Christian is unique. 
It's set apart. It's different than the rest of the world. People should notice that about you. I would imagine you guys are already noticing that about your teachers here. They have a unique love because they love Christ. It's set apart. It's different than the rest of the world. We marvel at that fact. We marvel at Christ's love for us, which fuels our love. You guys aren't going to have it all figured out. You're going to make mistakes. Some are going to be small. Some are going to be big. But if you keep it simple, this will help you. To seek above all else, to love God, to love His Word, to love His people. And you do this, and, and you'll do well. It, it, is, it is inevitable that life is short. High school is short. If you live by these three commands, there's a real blessing to be had. Our Christianity, our life, and our ministry is to be marked by a love for God, a love for His Word, a love for His people. Some of you so that's great, but that is not me because I am not a Christian. That might be how you define their life. How would you define my life? I will say this. Your life will not be blessed. And in the end, when life is over, you have to think about that. I would, I would challenge you that your present or that your future would inform you in the present of how you are to live. For the Christian, we live for a future hope, a, a hope that we're going to spend in eternity in heaven. And that then motivates us to live this way to obey these commands, to love God, to love His Word, to love His people. Why? Because we want to spend eternity with Him. We're excited about that. What are you excited about? For the non-Christian, I think that the, the best is, is right now. It's whatever you're experiencing right now. You're never guaranteed tomorrow, so this is about as good as it gets. But for those of us who are in Christ, no matter how hard life is, it doesn't have to be complicated for us. We know what we are here for. We are here to love God, to love His Word, to love people. And I hope that's attractive to you. I hope that's something you would desire, to love God. And, and, and for those of you who are saying, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I want to love God. I want to love His Word. I want to love people, but I don't. I would encourage you this morning to cry out to Him, to humble yourself. The only way you're going to love God is to recognize first and foremost that you cannot love God. Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 2, 1, that we are dead in our sin. We are spiritually speaking dead. Dead people don't live. Dead people aren't walking. Spiritually, we are dead in sin. It's only God that makes us alive. He asks us to recognize the fact that we cannot love the way He commands us to love. We cannot live according to the way He commands us to live. He wants us to see that. We have to see that first and foremost, we fail these commands. And it's not until we see that we fail these commands that we fail to love God, we fail to love His Word, His wisdom, 
when we fail to love people is because we need Him. And this morning, I would just, I would plead with you to seek Him, to ask Him to forgive you for your lack of love primarily to Him. And then trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Jesus paid the price for you. He incurred your debt that you might be forgiven. Forgiveness always comes at a cost. In order for us to love God, Jesus Christ had to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we might enjoy eternal life with Him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for this morning, the opportunity to just look at this short passage. Lord, the points this morning were simple, and I keep saying them again and again because I I hope that no one leaves here not knowing these three things, that we are to love You, love God, love His Word, love people. The great commandment with everything, with all of us, with all that we are. Father, we As we think of this passage, it primarily speaks of love, that we are to love you. And Lord, we we pray that you would help us to do just that. We thank you, Lord, that you, for the Christian, that you give us your Holy Spirit that empowers us to love this way. And for those of us that are not in Christ, Lord, I pray that they would seek you They would seek this love, this love that you have had for us, that you showed us and demonstrated your love on the cross, and that you ask us to demonstrate to others. Amen.